And now, right to your hopes of down the garden path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Hello and welcome to the ninth season of Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Joanne, and hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low-maintenance, we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And winter can be a dark, bleak time of year, but that doesn't mean it has to be that way in the garden. Tonight on the season nine premiere of Down the Garden Path, we're talking about how to create winter interest in your garden and landscape. What is it about your winter garden that you enjoy so much? Do you have a favorite plant or perhaps a special garden feature? We'd love for you to share what adds interest to your winter garden. Write us here at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. Well, wow. Can you believe that it is season nine? I, feel I, like I know. I to say congratulations to you. You've done it longer than I have, but wow, it has been nine amazing down the garden path. yeah it, it's pretty crazy that i've been doing this for like nine years of mondays right <laughs> gary you've had me for nine years of Mondays, yes, except for the, the last few weeks but uh, right. we're back everybody i know uh yeah nine years yes well, yeah i was surprised too gary just before the show you were saying um you've been reality radio has been around for 13 years 13 so years congratulations yeah. on 13. thank you very much yeah. and congrats to well. you Thank you. Congrats to you guys as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So thank you as well to all of the listeners um, for, you know, keeping us on the air and this project of love. Uh, we do really enjoy doing Down the Garden Path every Monday night at seven in the evening, bringing you interesting tips and just chatting about gardening. That's um, right. That's right. And everybody that wrote in over our little break, we took a break to just kind of regenerate and do planning. And, and you know, we've got a few new things up our sleeves for you, right? That's right. And can you blame us? It's been nine years. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So that's the thing, too, right? When it's been so long, we wanted to see, you know, ch chat about what works, what didn't work, what we can improve. Um, and we're adding a new segment. Should we tell them now about the new segment or make sure. them wait? Yes. I go for it. I you had a great name for it. Like I know our stepping stone segment. So uh, in the honor of uh, down the garden path on some stepping stones, but um, we do want we wanted to end every show as much as possible with um, just something to do in the garden now. Uh, a tip, whether it's a tip, whether it's um, just you know something that uh, gives you a step forward in your garden, right, Matt? Yeah. You know, so we're gonna um, whether it's a plant tip, a garden tip. Um, some of the certainly some of the tips from our book. So I hope all of our listeners remember our down the garden path, uh, step by step, step guide, guide. <laughs> to uh, 
your Ontario garden. Um, yeah, so we we just want to make sure that I know we talk about a variety of different topics that are plant related and garden related and and guests that are um, the same, but we just want to make sure that every episode we're kind of teaching you something new or reminding you, especially in the winter, right? When we're like, oh, what should we be doing? What could mm-hmm. I do? Um, we can give you uh, a little tip and suggestion. So some stepping, so our stepping stone segment, it's a bit of a mouthful, but I like it. <laughs> right, exactly. And don't forget, you know what, we're here every Monday night and you can follow us on the podcast if you're not able to tune in. Thank you as well to those who aren't joining us live. We really appreciate you as well while you're listening in the car or at home or in the back garden. We enjoy you as well. But we also have a couple social media channels that you can follow us and join us on. Uh, so you can check us out on Instagram at Down the Garden Path Podcast, as well as join our Facebook group at Down the Garden Path Podcast as well. So we are on Facebook. It is a private group where we just like to talk about gardening, uh, but don't let that scare you because there is just a question that we ask about, you know, where did you, do you listen on the radio or do you want to listen on the podcast? That kind of thing. But yeah, join us the conversation afterwards. Joanne and I uh, frequent there. We post a little bit there, becoming more active there as well. We're, yeah, we're going to try. So those that are there, I know Rhonda is very active there. If she's yes. listening tonight, um, we are going to try to be there a little bit more. So, uh, so yeah, um, we so- would look forward to seeing, connecting with people because the emails are great, but I feel like it's, it's not as much of a connection. And then it's hard to like Matt and I are BC seeing each other to keep each other in the loop. So <laughs> Facebook just makes it a little bit easier. So uh, anyway, and if you hate Facebook, we completely understand. <laughs> but we're happy you're here and you were happy that you were joining us on January 23rd. And uh, hopefully you've forgiven us for taking a little bit of an extended break. Yes, indeed. Irene's written in. Uh, the first uh, write-in of the year, OMG in like size 72 uh, yeah. font bolded. You are back. I was bored on Monday evenings. Thanks. And thanks, Irene, for waiting around and enjoying the winter break. And uh, we are back indeed with lots of great episodes uh, and content for you as well. Speaking of which... Yes. Uh, tonight, one of our questions, and I, I apologize, uh, I forget who it is, and maybe I'll just try to look that up. Uh, but one of the suggestions we have over the winter was adding winter interest in our gardens. And I think uh, you and I can probably both agree, this is one of those spots or one of those seasons that often gets forgotten, or not quite as thoroughly considered Mm-hmm. Um, whether we're designing our gardens ourselves or you have a designer winter is just kind of who wants to be out there in winter it's not really a right. gardening month so we kind of overlook at it overlook it but just like you said in the beginning that doesn't have to be the way your winter garden can be just as inviting and interesting as any time of the year mm-hmm. especially whether we, we have snow or we don't because yeah. sometimes I feel like people don't think it's important because, oh, it's all just going to be covered with snow anyway. Well, we've had very little snow. And so you just see the brown and nothing interesting. And if you've cut everything back, then there's really nothing to look at. So that's just some of the stuff we want to talk about today, that even if there is no snow, you should have something interesting in your garden and interesting colors. And I know 
for the most part, there's no flowers, which tends to be the gardener's focus. But there surprisingly is a few things that will start blooming at this time of year. That's right. And just as you mentioned about not a lot of color, I think we all forget that brown is also a color. Mm, Uh, We use it in our logo right there. So don't forget that brown is a color and that a lot of things are varying shades of brown. And as we get Mm -hmm. into some of our things to consider when designing uh, and some of the plant material and see lots of different shades of brown and other colors as well. So how do we define winter interest? What is what is winter interest in general? What is it to you? Um, to <laughs> right me, on the spot. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, to me, I think it, uh, huh, how do I work? Well, I think it is some evergreens that are not necessarily green. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, have, well, again, whether we have snow or not, snow on an evergreen, I think, looks lovely. Yeah. And if we don't, then I still think it's nice to have have that um, presence in the garden. Um, I, uh, I know I shared some pictures with you of my garden. So I have some green. Um, as People that longtime listeners would know about my love for yews and yew hedges, and I have those. Um, but I also have the the uh, some yellow evergreens and some blue evergreens and you really do notice them and they really do stand out so I feel like for me despite what most people think about a winter garden um, winter garden is interest like is is color sorry color yeah there is a lot of color and as you were saying um, yeah, because you had, well, I think remembering the pictures, uh, there was the blue globe spruce, was it? Maybe yes. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. And then you had the hops, um, mop head juniper there. But you know what I noticed as well amongst the stems and the, the you and the, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> and then the juniper, the other one I just mentioned, but was because you leave your leaves behind as well. You had like mm-hmm. a nice leaf mulch. The colors had different like browns and cinnamons and like mm-hmm. there was like another layer of texture there amongst it wasn't just bare, hard, icy looking soil. So there was another layer of texture and softness and color to for those other colors to play with. Which for I, sure. Yeah. One of the first things I noticed as well. Yeah. yeah. And texture, like in addition to color, I think texture is a huge thing because the even when we see evergreens, all those evergreens have a different texture, right? Like the globe spruce has has a different type of needle, you know, anybody who has a like white pine, I've got a white weeping white pine and a weeping Norway spruce, both very different textures. Um, and I think that can add some quite a bit of interest, especially when they're dusted in snow, of course, but um, even when they're not. Yeah, I agree. And that would be my definition of, of winter interest is right is we have the different colors, the greens, the browns, Definitely that one time of year where everything gets dusted with some beautiful light white snow really adds that whimsical. But then outside of that, yeah, it's a lot of the textures. We get to see, you know, the textures of the shrubs and the the seed heads. And even just like you were saying, the various evergreens have different textures themselves, the needles, the shapes. So there's lots of interplay amongst the plants and what's left behind for the lack of a better term for winter mm-hmm. uh, to to see and enjoy and explore yes yeah I mean I think things like uh, easy things like ornamental grasses uh, they you know depending on the type you know they all have different kind of seed heads and and thick stem and size stems and they can really be showy in the winter as well 
Um, so that's something, right? Yeah, definitely. One of those considerations is, you know, those herbaceous forms that may die away, even though they're not a shrub and they're leaving wood behind or an evergreen, they will die and leave something behind. So yeah, there's a lot of movement, pardon me, in grasses, some more than others. But I mean, you don't ever want everything whipping around in a winter wind either. Just a nice sway kind of adds that visual interest, catches your eye. The other thing is things like sedums or echinaceas or rutabecchias, right? They have beautiful seed heads uh, that can be left behind with multi multiple purposes for us to enjoy looking at it. That nice little dust of uh, sugar icing kind of snow, but, but also it's attracting uh, wildlife and other mm -hmm. movement into your yard as well. So yeah, there's a lot of things to be left behind as well as remember too, as we say, evergreens we often think of you know our christmas tree kind of trees right our spruces our pines our firs uh, or even junipers and cedars and you know the different shapes but there are a number of perennials with perennial uh, or evergreen foliage as well again some ornamental grasses there are some heucheras uh, you know there's a lot of other perennials that might just stay there when there is no snow to again add that layer of depth and, and green. So when you think evergreen, don't just think of Christmas tree uh, mm -hmm. you know, or a globe cedar that everybody hates, which I love, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially the one that uh, we found at Sheridan, that one nursery near us. Uh, yes. It was the fire chief cedar. cedar. Yes, yes. So yeah, so just consider evergreens. Yeah, there are the typical evergreens. But then there are evergreen perennials as well that have foliage that'll either die away completely by year's end or regenerate. So in a year like this, where we've had very little snow here in the GDA, uh, you know, we that's where those, some of those perennials that might be normally buried have an interesting texture, a bold green foliage or some mm -hmm. purples and reds that are just kind of nestled at the ground level. So yeah, mm -hmm. evergreens can be more than trees and shrubs. So that's keep right. that in mind. Yeah, and to name a few too, I noticed that in my garden, I have the caramel uh, coral bells, which I quite love. And that that's that like real caramel color. And I didn't realize that they are like they're evergreen, like they're still up and still that color and, and um, my lungwort too. So those mm. two are kind of near each other in yep. the garden. And uh, yeah, it's like it's kind of gone to sleep. And but it's you still see the leaves, you still see the dots on the leaves, like it's still got a great texture to it. Um, both of those happen to be near my walkway, so I noticed them. Um, and Virginia is another favorite of yeah. mine that I have on on beside my front door because it um it's similar to a hosta in a sense that it's it's really about the foliage. Like it does send up a flower spike, which is much nicer than than the uh, hosta flower spike, in my opinion. Um yes. but it is short-lived. And then in the fall, the foliage kind of turns burgundy. It's a, a certainly more oval and like rounded than than a hosta leaf. Um, but then they do the leaves do get they're like thick and leathery, and they do get a fall color. And then they just kind of go to sleep. They don't disappear. They don't go all mushy like a hosta does. Yeah, they just stay there. And then come spring, they like just perk back up again, you know, and it's, it's really a cool plant. And I was somewhere and I can't think of where I was now and they mass planted them. Yeah. 
I've seen like a couple of places in Toronto, especially. Yeah. So I had never thought of doing that. And I think it really, because the longevity of those, of the foliage, I mean, the flowers are a bit of a bonus, but uh, the foliage and the texture uh, really was kind of a showstopper. So yeah. yeah. So those are some plants. If you are looking to add something, hopefully you're taking some notes uh, (laughs) for your garden, right? That's right. Um, And if you're not, don't forget, our uh, show is released as a podcast to perhaps some of our newer listeners uh, that you can always go back on your favorite podcast provider and find past episodes of evergreen year round content. (laughs) That's right. And if you have, if you have a plant that you love or that you, you know, love that it stays uh, evergreen or something in your garden, then we would love to hear about it. Wouldn't we, Matt? We would, especially because we're here in the GTA and winter is a fact of life. But, you know, winter looks different for everybody, whether you're on the coast of BC or you're down in Florida or Texas. There's, you know, winter looks a little different from everybody. So we may not know everybody's plants, but that's the thing about gardeners. We love learning about new plants and seeing new and cool textures uh, and interesting flowers and shapes and leaves. I digress. <laughs> you do. You do. Do we have a few listener questions? or uh, We have. We have a couple of people who have sent in some images. So Beth sent in an image of an old couple and they're planting some bulbs. Very cute. We're getting back up and into the thing. So thank you for that, Beth. Oh, and if I don't uh, weird out my computer here, here we go. Um, hello, Matt and Joanne. Welcome back and happy new year to you. Uh, here's some nice homemade environmental sidewalk de ice for you to post to your listeners and fans. So a recipe for Jim on some uh, environmentally friendly sidewalk de icer. Maybe we'll we'll share Jim's post and uh, Beth's post maybe in the Facebook group so that everybody can see them. But yeah. thank you, Jim, for uh, the warm welcome back. We're excited to be back the ninth season. And then Karen has also written in. Uh, so glad to see you back on the radio. My project using PVC pipe and old gutters, lots of glue. So she's looks like she's made a cool hydroponic setup. Yeah, very, very cool. cool hydroponic setup, uh, Karen. That's great. We have one of those. We want to do a show on that. So uh, thank you very much too. for inspiring us, right? That's right. So one of the other things that we said as we were talking about evergreens and perennial foliage, uh, that movement and leaving seed heads behind, that's another form of interest and movement that we can bring into our garden for winter interest is wildlife. We might have uh, overwintering songbirds, especially, uh, that can add a little bit of color and again, movement. So there is still, even though things are asleep, uh, they look dead, they've changed color, and they're pretty buried or dormant in an icy grip of winter. We do have lots of foraging birds and other interesting animals that we may actually get a better look at uh, and see their colors because they can't be as hidden amongst all of the foliage in those normally uh, protected space. So if you have kind of a uneventful winter uh, landscape, you might consider adding some of those or leaving up some of those seed heads to bring in some wildlife, some bird life. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Uh, just having some of that movement in that food source will draw them in as well. And if you're really into birding for winters, one of the best things that you can do during the winter is leave a source of water out mm-hmm. for your birds. Water is scarce, especially thawed water. So even just a heated, uh, you know, 
bird bath or water pool that you refill daily or every other day. Uh, some of them are solar powered. That will really draw in some interest without having to necessarily feed them because a lot of people feel like if they're feeding them, A, it's an expense, but B, it's not their natural source of food. So you don't want them to rely on you and then winter comes hard times and you can't, et cetera. So there are some considerations if you want to do wildlife. One of the other things that you can add into your garden, we talked about uh, evergreens uh, and some dead seed heads, but moving a little again along the lines of fruit or food, you could add some berry shrubs as well. So for some, for example, uh, a winter berry uh, shrub that just packs itself with these beautiful winter berries that last for persist into the winter in which the birds and animals will come and investigate. But the thick, dense clusters of berry really add a contrasting pop amongst the upright stems and the nice gray smooth bark. So it gives you kind of another layer. And you can again use them as cut flowers. So you could go out and cut the stems of large mm -hmm. winter berries, bring them indoors, bring that garden again indoors, even in the dead of winter to provide a little bit of interest and uh, color into your inside life as well. Kind of mm -hmm. scratch that itch of getting outside in the garden. That's right. That's right. Yes. If you have a protect, protected area, holly is always uh, mm -hmm. another one to think about uh, that will stay, you know, evergreen and have also, if you've got the male and female, you have some red berries. Um, so that is a great option. Um, in addition to, oh, just escape. Oh, uh, the dogwoods, right? The yeah. something that has um, the red stem. So I know you'll see them often. Um, if you're out in nature, uh, on a walk, you'll see like little mounds or little huge groupings or swaths of red branches in the winter sticking out of the snow. Um, and that is uh, either the silver leaf dogwood goes red, right, Matt? Yep. And uh, uh, the more dwarf, if I'm going to use it in a, in a landscape design, I usually choose um, ivory halo which is a much smaller one it'll get to be about four feet but um but yeah so the the stems even though they've lost all their leaves the stems are red so yeah. it's a nice way to have a um or and there's green green and yellow twig dogwoods as well so you can get like a limey green or a yellow twig so you could really have a nice little area that um with pops of color and yeah you know, and use those sticks inside, same or in your, um, you know, in your uh, urns, if you're, if you do Christmas arrangements inside or outside the house, um, that's always handy to have your own and you don't have to buy them every year. <laughs> right. uh, it's not a great thing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there's lots of shrubs. Whenever you're purchasing a shrub, consider what it would look like in the winter as well. So like Joanna said, there's the dogwoods, there's the flame willows, there's Caria with the lime chartreuse green for, uh, stems through the winter. But also there's a lot of uh, plants like uh, nine bark, for example, that will lose their colorful leaves, flower in June, but then they have the beautiful exfoliating bark revealing cinnamons and reds and taupes and different browns and beiges. So exfoliating bark may also be, or is also a good uh, yeah. way to look at your shrubs as well, right? We, I think we all consider the birch right away, the classic mm -hmm. white bark and the gray uh, leaf scars and rings all around. That's kind of our classic exfoliating bark. So exfoliating is a term for bark that basically peels and very naturally fluffs or comes off of 
the tree itself. So that's what the exfoliate, much like we exfoliate our skin. Yeah. <laughs> right. So plants will do that too. One of my favorite year round uh, plants is the oak leaf hydrangea as well. Just the seasons of interest. You've got that big, beautiful oak leaf in the hydrangea. Then we're going to see big panicles appear in whites and reds and pinks. Uh, for most of the summer, rewarded in fall again by beautiful burgundies, mahoganies, purples, and pinks in their fall foliage. And then as those leaves pop, we're going to see beautiful, rich red cinnamon exfoliating bark on the older stems as well. So you're really going to have a point of interest all the way around. And even the underside of the leaves are slightly tomentose or like woolly underneath. So even as they expand, you've got color and interest first thing in the spring and then propping into this big oak leaf. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You're getting everybody. He's getting very excited talking about this. So yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, uh, I know we talked a little bit a while ago about the the shrub evergreens, right? Like the mops and the glow blue spruce. Um, but there are several that actually um, change color too. Yeah. Um, um, so the Russian uh, cypress is one that will change from, you know, it's night, lovely green all summer. And then in the fall, it kind of goes coppery and then brown. And then in the spring, it just greens up again. And um, I'm also thinking of the juniper, which is the one that I think it's bluish. And then it goes burgundy as well. Uh, there's the horizontalis group. Is it blue? Is it a horizontalis? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, is it blue wave? No, it's not blue wave. Uh, blue, not blue chip either. I'm totally going to forget what this one I is. Know. I know. I guess what I should have looked that up before yes, I, I, before I said it. So I will, <laughs> I will look that up. Um, but uh, yeah, so it is. So it's a way to have something change. Like even though you're used to things changing throughout the gardening season, whether Ooh. it's spring to summer, summer to fall and fall to winter, you know, sometimes it, yeah, that you, it thinks you having something interesting like evergreens um, change color you know, from one color to another is also a kind of a cool aspect to the yard. Yes. Um, yeah. Was it, was it icy blue? No. No. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice low growing kind of blue green, typical yeah. uh, spreading one as well. Yeah. Okay. So if you see uh, Juniperus horizontalis, that species tends to take on some good winter color. So we can see them go either, you know, rich, again, green, brown, but a lot of tends to have on like a blue or almost like a reddish or a purplish uh, color as well through the winter. So yeah, there's lots of different evergreens that will just change. And remember too, even evergreens that tend to stay green, for example, like our boxwood, right? Um, they will bronze or our nice emerald cedars or even just our native uh, white cedars, they have a natural bronzing that will occur to the foliage as well. So you get that nice rich green, that structure, and then a nice light bronze. So again, there's always things changing. As I talk about uh, things like upright cedars and junipers, reminds me too, just another way to add interest to your garden. Your evergreens don't have to be in just one shape, right? Christmas trees are the shape, right. or are a shape. But for example, you were saying the spreading juniper, the blue one that we're trying to remember, right? Mm -hmm. It has a nice arching, mounding, kind of waving ground cover. We can have cedars or, or as well that are nice globes, but we could also prune and shape some of our evergreens as well. Now, granted, there is definitely more maintenance to 
the pruning and things. And we are all about low maintenance. Uh, but if you're a little bit more adventurous, you could have a nice pom-pom. You could have a nice spiral cut cedar. You could also have some evergreens on standard. So, you know, there's blue chip juniper, uh, Japanese garden juniper, uh, the Russian cypress, like you said, that aren't necessarily just planted in the ground. They've been grafted or grown up. And then they can add, again, another shape, another texture and dimension amongst things as well. And I also mm -hmm. say, just as I think about cedars, um, you know, if look at the junipers and the cedars as typical as they might be, the shape of their foliage as well, well, is very linear versus, you know, the classic white cedar where it's kind right. of ruffled or tousled hair. We can get some very strong vertical lines and layers of texture visually as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think of my um, weeping. So I love weeping uh, evergreens. So that's another part. So in addition to the standards, which is a great idea, because um, they really would become uh, a focal point in the garden when everything else is is not blooming kind of thing and, and not leafed out. So that is interesting. And, uh, and my, I love taking photos in the winter of my weeping white pine and my weeping white spruce. Uh, I think actually mine's a Norway spruce, weeping Norway spruce, but um, really adds a quite an interest to the garden. So yeah. Um, there's right. lots of ways, right? And there is flowers. Are we going to talk about flowers? Or we'll talk, we'll save to after the, the half hour break there. We'll tell you that there are some things that are flowering this time of year, aren't there? Yeah, like get in there and give you a little pop of color. So I just going to do our obvious, our mid-show station ID saying thank you, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. And again, thank you. If you're not listening live and you're in the car or at home, we appreciate you just as much. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Instagram and Facebook is where you can find us at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. And you can always find us on your favorite podcast provider with lots of content from years past uh, as we kick off the season nine premiere of Down the Garden Path this evening. There's lots uh, that we've already talked about and lots we still have yet talk about so while you're checking us out there don't forget to hit that like subscribe uh, share and leave us a comment we again love to hear from you and we look forward to seeing you on Facebook and Instagram as well don't forget you can always write us down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com and don't forget to check us out on our own websites triple uh, w down the number to earth.ca it's where you're going to find joanne and triple w natural affinity.ca is my email address or my email address my website <laughs> <laughs> but i do have my email addresses there as well. so just before we had our little break there you were saying that there are some beautiful flowering shrubs uh as well that can we could see right now some mm -hmm. things. Yes. Yeah, so one I think of a one is a shrub and one or a small tree and one is a perennial. Um, so let's talk about the hellebores. Yeah. 
And so I know. So um, commonly called Christmas rose. Um, you'll see them in the nursery, you know, as soon as the nursery start to open up in uh, February, March, you'll start to see them. Um, they were always popular at Canada Blooms. They uh, are quite, you can probably tell more about the genus, but their leaves are very evergreen. That's right. Right. And they're low to the ground and shade tolerant, but they also start blooming uh, in the winter. So my, and oddly, I just found this out that the one that starts blooming earlier, the earliest, oddly enough, is the white one. And so mine is blooming. I'll, uh, I'll post a picture of it uh, uh, in the group later. But uh, yeah, so my hellebore, and they do kind of expand. So when they, when you first get them, they're a little sad. And you know, one, you might get like one or two little blooms, and a lot of foliage, but they do get they do thicken up, and they do get bigger. So my white ones are definitely blooming. And I noticed that I have pink ones now. You're really good to put them close to where your front porch is, where your doorway is, so that you can see them, right? So if they're all out in the backyard, back corner of the yard, you're not you're not going to see it bloom. But they will bloom for like three months in the winter. Yeah, they can bloom a very long time, uh, a number of weeks to months. That nice, cool weather keeps their flowers moving very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. uh, so they tend to last for a number of weeks. And again, this will all depend on who you've got, right? So right. all the cultivars, uh, just like all the other tree shrubs and perennials, they will have a slightly different bloom time and start period. Again, like you said, the white ones yeah. tend to bloom earlier. Yeah. So we can have our, yeah, some beautiful flowers poking through the ground as mid-February to late February, and then blooming on for a while. You mentioned the white one, um, but mm -hmm. you know, white isn't the only color. Uh, so there are lots of different colors. We can find hellebores in whites, greens, yellows, uh, yellows and whites. There's whites with uh, little red specks on the petals. There are even double red ones and crimson and black. So there's quite a wide variety of mm -hmm. colors and forms. Some are, most of them tend to be kind of sideways looking. They're not like upright like a daisy. They kind of look out and away from you like a sunflower. But there are some nice double ones that are nodding and all very layered as well. So there's quite a variety of flower form and texture and heights that you can yeah. get as well. Yeah. yeah. And their foliage is very interesting. So I've seen it. Um, I can remember being Nancy and I were in a garden tour in Niagara on the Lake a couple years ago. And there was this whole patch in the shade in September of this really cool foliage. And we were all like, and there are other people too. And we're all like, it was nice and dense and, and thick. And it was, it wasn't like, was it a ground cover? It seemed too bit, you know, it was like, we we're all like having this debate. <laughs> somebody said hellebore and we're all like oh my gosh so in the rest of the year it could be a nice um you know it's a nice green carpet really interesting looking leaves and um if you mass planted them and this happened to be you know a shady a shady corner and you know they had a big big oak trees on the property so um not a ton of sun so uh yeah so it was kind of neat to, to see that you they were noticed in the um they were noticed in the winter yeah and as you say that that's another or, good point sorry, in the fall in, in the, the fall. fall like sorry yeah yeah that's another good point about um as you mentioned their lighting conditions so obviously right now there are no leaves that really are out on our deciduous trees to provide shade or 
shade. So we're going to see them in what we call deciduous sun. So it's sun when there is no leaves or the deciduous plant material around us uh, has lost all of its leaves. The sun is there, but it's much weaker. So we would plant it, it'll get full sun, but winter sun, but it is more of a partial shade to full shade plant. So as you were saying, like it's under the oaks and in more of a shady spot, that's where she's going to like. She'll take some mm -hmm. full sun, but you can run into some scorch and other issues. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of build on what you said too, um, the evergreen foliage, it's very textural. So it's glossy, dark green. It's got some prominent mid ribs, which again, adds some texture and some depth, but they're also palmately compound. So what it means is the stem rises up and the leaf sends out like the fingers of your hands. So there's sections or like a Japanese maple leaf. So it's not just kind of a blah, plain, you know, the stereotypical leaf you picture in your head. You've got a yeah. beautiful structure and shape to that evergreen foliage as well. Yeah, almost tropical. Like it's almost like a tropical plant. I mean, and I can yeah, remember really is. Yeah, I can, you know, because when you, like I have, like I said, I have three, but they're in three different spots in my garden, kind of tucked under, um, you know, under other plants. And so, but when you saw them all together, kind of mass planted, like all of us, you know, were just sitting there like stumped. Uh, so that was kind of really interesting. So, and that's, you know, many people struggle with shade. That is one of the challenging areas uh, in your yard. And so, and especially front, front entrances, if they're shady, I think it's a great plant to have because it's just nothing better than, especially when we don't have snow, right? To see mm -hmm. some pops of color and, and flower in your garden. And yeah, the variety is... Um, is humongous. They are a little pricey, which, you know, if you're wondering if they're worth it, uh, they are because of that. I think because of the fact that you get those winter blooms or those early spring blooms, um, some don't start to blooming till March, you know, so mine's blooming in January. And of course it's going to change season to season and right a yeah. little bit, but I think just the, how long that plant is in your garden uh, you know, it even beats a hosta because it's, I mean, hostas die back and you don't see them anymore, whereas they stay um, noticeable. So, um, so I think, I think they really are a little bit worth the splurge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're not in, inexpensive sometimes in the garden center. I mean, no. I've seen them upwards of 35 to $40, depending yeah. on them, right? And that seems like, wow, what an investment, but you are buying a really rugged shade perennial. Uh, that's going to reward you in multiple seasons year round. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And they tend to be beyond some of them are the white ones, but then some of them are like double whites or reds or yes. So you get some of the different variety in the leaf and the flower color as well. So yeah, definitely yeah. recommend that as an investment. <laughs> Pardon me as that's well. good. Yeah, something. Well, if you want to, yeah, or even ask for a Valentine's Day gift, you can get a gift card to your local garden center because they'll start to have those out there. Um, so Hellebore, we'll have them in our show show, show notes, and but often called uh, Christmas Rose as well, right, Matt? That's right. Yeah, Christmas Rose or Lenten Rose. Mm, yeah, that's right. Lenten rose. Um, so there's also a shrub that um, and I think I want to try to get one because I, I don't have one currently in my garden. Um, I know, I know. And that is witch hazel. Yeah, that's right. Witch hazel is a beautiful, very early flowering uh, shrub in our garden. It's not um, very small. It is it tends to be a larger one, but there are some dwarf Mm. Uh, slower growing witch hazels are there okay hazels yeah. that are out there that'll bloom early but they again they're 
they're a little slower to grow. So just the classic witch hazel uh, blooms super, super early for us. I've seen it uh, blooming again, early March to mid-March. Um, depends on the weather as well. If it really has a nice deep freeze cold for us, we might see it bloom a little later. But as the winter kind of backs off and milds up a bit, uh, yeah, I've seen them bloom very early. And what we see is along the stems, along the nodes, so where the, the, that bulge or the knot in all the stems, we see very long linear strap-like uh, flower petals in yellows and reds. The classic is a bright yellow, very shredded, fine linear hair-like or almost hair-like flowers. So they just cover in big tufts all the way down and along the stem. Um, I think red dragon is one of them that blooms that nice red color. So it's instead of that yellow, we have almost like a rich, like crimson red. And even I've seen some of them, they have a little bit of a darker red. So it's almost like a red black by the time it connects. But that adds a very <laughs> interesting pattern to the landscape because not only do we have the flowers blooming very early, but we've got like the corkscrew hazels that'll have more of a catkin, but again, mm -hmm. a little earlier and bright yellow. Uh, so we've got some twisting in some of the different hazels, but we also have a little bit of a zigzagging in the witch hazels and those ones that bloom early in the spring. So we get kind of, again, like a visual input to our winter as well as some mm -hmm. nice early flowering. And they have a, a really interesting leaf, don't they? Yeah, very interesting leaf, kind of a, a um, I'm going to totally forget it, and this is horrible. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like a, almost dentate, so the points kind of stick yes. out more sideways and or straight out versus uh, long yeah. ways or like serrated, uh, but it also has some texture. There's a slight pubescence to it. It's got mm -hmm. a nice mid rib and a nice rich dark green color throughout the rest of the year as mm -hmm. well. So think about it, even if it's not um, I know I mentioned about planting, you know, near your front door, but think of even windows, like, mm. I, like, you know, to have a window and, you know, in the near distance, there's a witch hazel where you can enjoy um, seeing that in the, in this early, early spring, uh, late winter, uh, same with hellebores. If there's, if you've got a, you know, a low window or a big bay window where you're looking out at, you know, that's a good, another thing to think about, because I think that one thing, one of the other reasons why we don't really consider our winter uh, as far as the garden is because we're not outside right yeah but I think of our views looking out of the house and what do you see do you see the neighbor's car do you see the neighbor's house do you see um you know in my in one of my cases I've got the mail like the net you know the neighborhood mailbox that type of thing but you can still have plant things um for that visual interest from the windows from inside the house that's something to think about that's kind of a design uh, um, trick that I always, you know, I think the views from the house are very important because we are only outside for so long and we're ah. inside the whole year. And what you see out of your kitchen, you know, your back patio doors in the kitchen, uh, what you see out your front window, um, you know, those, those things matter. And you can, you can choose something um, for that, you know, multiple seasons. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, witch hazel, um, which we've never talked about before in the show. Um, no. Yeah, I know. Is it native, Matt? <laughs> um, it is native to okay. certain species to Canada. 
And like, yeah, it's native to somewhere, right? That's the problem. But no, yeah, I'm just native? trying to think. It is North American, but I think it's like Quebec through Minnesota, a little bit of Ontario, uh, and New Brunswick. So eastern, uh, okay. the northeastern part of North America. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I might be a little off on the range, but yeah. So it's a beautiful, again, North American native shrub. Um, yeah. I don't know where the, I forget where the hellebores, I was trying to remember too, where the hellebores were native to, but I want to say Europe, Italy, Greece, um, along the Alps or the, the woodlands there, but I may be wrong. If you know, you can write us at <laughs> podcast at hotmail.com. <laughs> um, or we can Google it. Yeah. They're Eurasian <laughs> genus. <laughs> um, ranunculi. That's interesting. Um, family. Mm. So um yeah so it does look european uh yeah so an evergreen flowering yeah if you google the pictures um they really are kind of cool uh and why is there stink so what is stinking hellebore is that a different one did you know about that one (laughs) Uh, yeah different uh species i think it has a fragrance but it might also uh remind something rings a bell it's also kind of like the uh, fritillaria imperialis the crown imperial plant or the fritillaria bulb that we see where there's a little bit of a scent to the plant itself versus just the flower as well but again i might be might be misremembering that yes no it does say unjustly named stinking hellebore so uh so that's good to know that uh it's not really stinky um but uh yeah oh, very okay. interesting I yeah the, the flower variety and types and colors are very um very funky i think i think they're very unusual so and there's nothing like it in the summer garden that is for sure that is for sure so so yeah so that i hope we've given you some tips um another tip that you and i talked about sharing with our our listeners is to if let's say your house is lacking on some winter interest or you're not sure what you need um if you're walking around or driving around your neighborhood or maybe somebody else's neighborhood um you know check out what's growing in other people's yards you know if you're in a new home maybe you know take a drive around a more of established neighborhood and see what's interesting there and what you like and, you know, do you like the ideas of having evergreens close to the front door? Or maybe you don't. You want them somewhere else, you know, closer to like a grouping near the driveway where you get to see something. Um, but, yeah, so I think um, something we talk about a lot in the book, we worried so much that we said it so often, right, when we were writing <laughs> our book. But, you know, our it's no more, tong- you know, lugging out a camera anymore. It's all on your phone, which you probably have with you. So take a snap a picture of what you like, what you don't like, and that will really go a long way to helping you plan uh, uh, and improve your gar- your winter garden. Um, and whether you need our help as landscape designers or a landscape designer in your um, area, uh, or if you are going to do it yourself, then you can uh, you can do that. But uh, I think it, it definitely is the time of year. And we're about to get snow here in the GTA, I think, by Thursday. Got a little dusting yesterday. Um, so, uh, so now we've got a little bit of a gap that you can go out there and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and take some photos and because the sky has been so gray, you know, that's perfect photo taking, uh, uh, lighting, right? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The photos come out quite nicely as well. So yeah, yeah, grab those cameras, go out and see what uh, you like and see what you don't, don't forget to see what you don't like as well. What might be missing uh, yeah, from your garden or from someone else's garden. That's right. That's right. 
So is that our stepping stone tip of the day or is that just wrapping up our I think that's wrapping up. We could have moved it to stepping stone, but I know it's our we've got a few and the other thing we were gonna do in, in listener, make sure we get all the listener yeah. questions in in our stepping stone uh segment as well. Um so yeah, so Matt, what what to start off our new stepping stone segment? Um we have right. listeners sharing lots of pictures and lots of things. I feel like you should be kicking off this segment, but <laughs> yes, Ray has written in. Uh, thank you for the jo- show, Joanne and Matt. Uh, I live in Nome, Alaska, and sometimes we don't get any sunlight for weeks at a time. Of course, oh, the weather wow. is mostly cold up here, uh, so this is what I have purchased, a lifesaver. And you can't see the picture, but it is a beautiful and I'm not sure what I can almost kind of read the brand, uh, but a beautiful hydroponic tower, uh, fully lit from the inside out and just filled with beautiful, it looks like some beans and uh, some small melons and lettuces and other interesting herbs uh, and plants in there to grow around. So raise. Yeah, I think I see some Swiss chard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I see yeah, some, some Swiss chard. There. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, oh, Ray, that is so great. I thank you for sharing that. Um, that's the second listener who shared us with their hydroponics. So that is really catching on. So we definitely should do a show. We've, we have done, uh, right, yes. a show on hydroponics, but um, we will do another one. So that's, that's great. Yeah, that's right. We explore uh, home hydroponics, Tyler. And I'm sorry, Tyler, if you ever hear this, I uh, forget your last name. <laughs> uh, but if you Google home hydroponics, down the garden path or look at uh, or your favorite podcast provider. Yeah. Tom or Tyler goes through a number of DIY home projects where you can make mm-hmm. great little hydroponic and lit stations throughout the house, uh, especially with the cost of food nowadays, right? It just kind yeah. of drives home that grow your own trend that never dies. So yeah, that's, that's a few, right. uh, a few, yeah, of our listeners who have said, uh, they've grown hydroponics, so we will definitely be having a show coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Frank has also written in, glad the garden show is broadcasting tonight. Too early to start veggie seeds inside? Ah, well, that leads me to one of the other um, stepping stones I wanted to talk about. Um, that uh, it is a you could technically start them inside. There are a few things that you can start inside in January, Frank, and the rest of our listeners. It, things like lavender and onions, um, if you're looking for flowers or food, but winter sewing. This is a time of year you can, uh, you know, you can do some googling if you'd like. Uh, because we'll run out of time explaining it, I guess, we, <laughs> unless we do a whole show on winter sewing, Matt. But uh, I know I follow the our friends at Savvy Garden, uh, Savvy Gardening, and they mentioned that actually the onions doing better if you start them outside. So their suggestion was, you know, those um, like the plastic um, uh, lidded containers that we, you know, have our spinach in or lettuce in. So they've got a nice, yeah, the tortoise shell. So they've got a nice lid. So you can poke some holes in the bottom for drainage, fill it with your your, um, potting soil. I was going to say pasta. (laughs) Potting soil, uh, your seed starting potting soil. Uh, Sprinkle your onion seeds on the surface and then get this take it outside and just leave it somewhere and it's okay this cold will do its thing the light it will adapt to the light you'll get the moisture 
um, from the, the chill and the, uh, you know, so, and it, uh, it, they will start, you'll kind of get a head start on your onions. And in their experiments, they actually grew better uh, than ones that were started inside. So that could be a neat test. Uh, but there are many things that you can start outside. I think those we don't have. So for our U.S. listeners, you get the water jugs or the big milk jugs. So those are something there's ways you can do that where you can cut it kind of in half and then fold the top half over and plant the seeds uh, put the soil in and plant the seeds and then flip the jug back over. Um, we don't get those a lot here in, uh, cause our milk is in bags, you know, when yeah. we get made fun of all the time. So we don't have those uh, as readily available, but we certainly do have those clamshell type things with, uh, with the lids. So, so definitely for those of you who are keen to start growing something, that is something that you can start doing. You know what, that inspires me because I've always wanted to grow, um, I think it's a sweeter onion, the Walla Walla onion. And that was one of the things I read recently too, is to leave them just like directly sow them before the winter where you're going and they'll come through. So, you know what, maybe I'll I'll do that is grab a little clamshell or the clamshell, not a tortoise shell, little clamshell containers. And I don't know where tortoise came from. Mm-hmm. Clamshell tomato or containers and uh, start maybe some of those and see how they go. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's worth a shot. I put a couple aside at my house as well. And, and I think it is the Walla Walla seeds that I actually have that I tried a couple oh. years ago and I still have some hoping they're still viable. And uh, yeah. And of course you can, if you want to start them inside undergrow lights, that's, a, that's another option. Uh, often, I know we've done shows about this in the past. Um windowsills really aren't enough for anything that you want to start growing of any substance in the house. Uh, you really do need grow lights. So that is something, you know, they're, they're definitely much lower in price than they used to be and led. So they don't take up a lot of energy either, but you can, you can definitely get one like a little kit that fits over a, a, a seed starting tray and set that up in the basement on a timer uh, usually, you know, they'll need about 16 hours, what, 16 hours of light. 16 on, um, 8 off kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, 16 on, 8 off. Um, so timer's your friend. And uh, not forgetting about it in the basement, especially if you put it in the basement. I know in the past, I've done them in the dining room so that I know I not, I'm not going to forget about them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, you know, I just wanted to, you know, drop a little stepping stone to your garden uh, so for people who uh, are wanting to start something. That's right. And now is the time as well to, uh, if you haven't already, grab those seed catalogs and start visiting your favorite seed suppliers online or in your garden center, the greatest number of or greatest variety of seeds is on the shelf now or about to be on the shelf, depending on on where you are. So plan that garden and uh, start looking at seed suppliers and other things like that to grab your supplies before they're all gone. That's right. That's right. And Walt and Frank and and, uh, Ray have all been, I know they've been ones emailing and wondering when we're back. So thanks for staying with us, guys. Um, Walt says hello and nice to hear your voices and advice, Joanne and Matt. A pleasure. Thanks, Walter. Thank you for writing in. So yeah, so we're getting close to the end of our first, the season premiere of nine years here 
down the garden path. Not all, well, I guess, yeah, nine, all nine here on Reality Radio 101. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of Gary's uh, thing, age thing. So, yeah, so we hope that you guys have enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Thanks for, again, uh, different show topics. I think uh, Dave sent in a topic, a spin on herbs that we'll, we'll definitely look at as well. So thank you for keeping us company and writing us uh, during the winter break. Hopefully we got back to everybody as we were here, there, and everywhere and enjoying the holidays. That's right. And next week, what are we talking <laughs> about next week? Were you just going to say that? Yeah. 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 As I say, and, and there's lots more to come uh, look forward to. Um, so January 30th, it's been a few years now. I think we were talking about it earlier and it's been, this is going to be three years going now. Uh, so we're going to reinstate one of our favorite Down the Garden Path episode series, the month in the garden. So next week kicks off a new year of with February in the garden, where we'll go through all the tips, tricks, and advice, the things you can do indoors and maybe even outdoors in the month of February, because every month has got uh, a little bit to do each mm -hmm. time. So join us for February in the garden next week. And the week after that, we're going to take a dive into the tiny world of terrariums, where we can talk about the different types of terrariums, styles, and the plants that, that work in those beautiful little ecosystems. So stay tuned for that as well. And I think that brings us to the end of another episode of Down the Garden Path. Uh, here on Reality Radio 101. Uh, happy Season 9 premiere. Oh, yes, yeah, happy. And thank you, everybody, for hanging in there with us and yes. uh, for joining us here uh, live on the radio. And for our listeners that will be listening later, we appreciate you as well, and we'd love to hear from you. That's right. We look forward to seeing you next week. We hope you all are well. Happy belated New Year, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.